Welcome back to the Kill Dead Podcast. I'm your host, Greg. Tonight, I'm joined by my internet co-host. We have Ash. We have Devin. I'm not sure if I ever say that in right order. How are you guys doing tonight? Hello. <laughs> well, that's the word to set it off. I can't follow that up, so I'm just going to give a simple hello. <laughs> Today, we are talking about A24's Talk to Me. An Australian thriller? I think I, I've seen enough things on the internet for people expecting more out of this movie as, titled as a horror movie. Um, a supernatural horror film. <laughs> yeah, supernatural horror. You know, it's not, it's not, let's not take away from it. Um, but before we get into that, um, Ash. Yes. What you been watching? Damn! I'm just kidding. Um, let's see. Since the last time we spoke, um, I just been watching. Uh, I've I've been uh, binge watching. What have I been watching? Degrassi, like always. But okay. uh, movie wise, I mean, I went and saw Barbie. Um. Let's see. I watch Halloween too because it's always playing on Pluto TV. So I've been watching that. Okay, Who's which Halloween two? There's like three of them. Oh yeah, shit. <laughs> Rob Zombies. Oh okay. I know. I... <laughs> I like it better now than I did when it first came out. But yeah, same. That's yeah, same here. Um, let's see. I. I, for my other show, it was Jeremy's pick, so I watched that. It was called the uh, what's it called Last Radio Call, mm-hmm. independent uh, found footage movie. Uh, y'all check out my episode on that <laughs> to hear our ratings. But uh, other than that, I mean, I've been too busy like working and finishing my summer classes to really sit down and like binge watch movies that I want to watch, but that's a little something something. Devin? Those are some good choices. Um, well, I binge watched uh, Twisted Metal on oh, I still need to watch that. Yes. And I, I know nothing about the game. I thought it was a comic book at first when I started watching it. Um, so I, I know nothing about the original story, but what I saw I really enjoyed. I wound up binge watching the whole show within like you know two nights. Uh, it was a fun ride. There was you could turn your brain off. You don't have to think too hard. Having said that, it didn't insult your intelligence either. Um, it, it was just a fun ride. Lots of twists and turns, and I really enjoyed the characters. Um, Can I just say on a lesser? <laughs> what? So you put me onto that show, and I started watching it. And the character yeah. Sweet Tooth or the clown, um, you know, is a very heavy set fellow. And it says that, like, in the credits, it's Will Arnett. And I was like, did he really commit to this role like that? And, like, every episode, like, yeah, I didn't realize he was just the voice. Because, like, until recently, Samoa Joe wasn't credited as being Sweet Tooth. So I was like, okay, now this makes sense. Yeah, I think he's probably one of my favorite characters. 
next to uh, Nev Campbell's character. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't expect. I didn't expect that from her. We we haven't seen her be a villain in anything else other than the Scream franchise, so it is nice. Oh, <laughs> there you have it, people. <laughs> Serial killer since '96, man. I've been telling y'all. Um, I'm sorry. Continue. No, I mean the other thing I watched was um, I watched the Amityville Curse on. <gasps> Wait, there's an Amityville purse? No, purse. Oh, curse. Okay. <laughs> and Not to be confused with the other Amityville curse that came out like 30 years ago. So how do you feel? You know what? For an Amityville movie produced by Tubi, it's not the worst thing I've ever seen. I don't even think it's the worst of the Amityville IP. <laughs> it's not a good movie. It's a wild movie. Um, it logistically doesn't make sense. Like nothing about the movie should work, or does work for that matter. But it held my interest more than it should have. Maybe just because I, I expected far less than what we got. So I give it like a solid two stars. Oh, okay. Yeah. So yeah. is the reason that these can keep happening is is the Amityville story or house like public domain like why is it it's, well, it's the like city. the title right yeah this is the city's name amityville so anybody can use that but connection to the story i assume the story because it's it is rooted in something that's that really did happen they can sort of kind of spin off with these different stories that's what i assume okay but I'm not a lawyer, so I could be wrong. <laughs> I think oh, I figure out the last movie I've watched. <laughs> what is it? So I had received a screener for We Might Hurt Each Other, which is actually Lithuania Lithuania's first slasher film. So, you know, I was all over that because my boyfriend's from Lithuania. So I was hey. like, Love international horror too <laughs> right i was like uh i need that screener asap but it's a it's a screen box exclusive. exclusive so if you have screen box please check it out if you're into like um yeah slashers folk horror stuff like that definitely check it out okay all right that sounds good what about you gray you know, um, aside from Twisted Horror, Ash, and I know we're not on your show, but this should have been on your show. I went to Terror Tuesday at Alamo Draft House last night, and uh, it was a mystery showing. So I had no clue what I was going to see other than something I know I hadn't seen before because the movies are curated by the American Film Genre Archive. So it's definitely always going to be something when they do a mystery movie most people haven't seen and it's out of print and they restored it not plugging alamo i just happen to appreciate the process uh and this movie did not disappoint it's called neon maniacs you guys ever heard of it what's it called neon maniacs is it recent or how 1986 
It sounds it, familiar. I've never seen it. Yeah. It's about a group of maniacs that live inside the Golden Gate Bridge of San Francisco who terrorize some high school teenagers. And um, it doesn't really explain why they exist. But essentially, if you die by one, you become one. At one point, it had a, a moniker of like, it was called Evil Dead Maniacs or something like that. I don't know if it was actually supposed to be a sequel to Evil Dead. I don't want to say too much more about the film, but I feel like if the rights are public and I had the means, I would love to do a remake to this. And what's it called? Neon Maniacs. I'm looking it up right now because it sounds super... Oh! Ooh, and it's on uh, Pluto. Oh, it's it's on Pluto, Tubi, and Plex for and Plex, the free. Yeah. Um, I was fortunate. It sounds like it could fit in with the Evil Dead franchise. These these maniacs are definitely a cross between uh, what's that thing? Maniac Cop, Cinnabites, um, Basket Case, Wolfman. Like oh it, Lord, <laughs> the maniacs look similar to other villains you've ever seen in uh, horror movies. Um, reduce reuse recycle and there is an appearance by marta cover who you guys might remember from friday 13th part two and this is before mm-hmm. we walked her to the streets it what's her update now what's her update yeah like what's her is she still with us or yes I, last time okay. I saw she was doing uh adult acts Adult X, like there's a something called a sex tape on the internet. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, good for her. She's making her money. Um, <laughs> hey, she's sober. That's all that matters. Yeah. Okay. I I I'm actually going to add this to my queue, Greg. This is um, this is my alley, right on my alley. It is. It is quite a treat. Like I, I rarely gush about bad films, but <laughs> it is so. I mean, simple things. I guess we just take for for granted now. Like there's a scene where, like, just the mentality of this is a trauma film, by the way. Um, oh, okay. Like they're like, oh, we can't find any proof because the rain washed everything away. And it's like, oh, okay. But then, like, there's still green slime everywhere. So the rain was strong <laughs> enough to wash away everything else, except for the green slime. And then, Is like, there a lot of gratuitous uh, female nudity in this? No. Oh. There's not. <laughs> um, we got to see trailers for other movies from that time period. And those trailers, <laughs> for whatever reason, had gratuitous nudity in it. And I'm not sure if that plays with the normal movie or not. Because, um, like, why would they put n- nude scenes in a trailer? But maybe if it feels from a VHS, VHS tape, then that would explain it. Um, other than that, uh, Lalani Sariel from Basic Instinct is in this. I mean, this was before Basic Instinct, but that's the biggest role you'd recognize her from. 
All right. I won't take up too much time with that. But Ash, if you cover this, I will be happy to be on the show and talk about it with you guys. Oh, perfect. Um, let's move on to some bigger and better things because there, there's something that happened on the internet today. And uh, Ash, I know you know about it. So uh, what's going on in the horn? <laughs> there is lots of things that's been happening today uh y'all by the time this it's august 2nd y'all okay so first news happy heavenly birthday to wes craven oh yes it's really nice of you to mention that yeah rest in peace wes this is for you wes (laughs) (laughs) with that being said we uh, have you guys know his middle name. I don't. Aubrey Earl Wesley Earl. Okay. that's a strong name. <laughs> Keep going. Oh, it's Michael Michael Myers' middle name. That's what I was kidding. No, it's name. not. Is it? Yeah, I it, think is. it is. It is. What? The more you know. (laughs) But with that being said, it was announced that Scream 7 is in the works. But unfortunately, Radio Silence will not be directing due to them uh, working on their monster movie. But we do have a director. Y'all ready? I'm about to say, y'all, I know y'all seen this. Who's the new director, Ash? Oh my gosh, would you not believe it's me? Sorry, I had to like keep a secret. I'm so sorry, but um <laughs> No, but our uh director is Christopher Landon, the mastermind oh. behind Happy Death Day and Freaky. <laughs> I am too. I am not. He can bal- he bal- he has a very unique balance of um humor and comedy or humor and horror. I don't I don't want a funny scream seven. I, I don't want him to go slapstick. Yeah. Hmm? I don't want him to go slapstick like he normally does, but See, that's I would mind a like... little bit more humor. When I heard that, I was like, did they ask the Wayne brothers first and they said no? <laughs> Because I would say this, this new right. trilogy has a darker tone. And <clears throat> Paranormal Activity, the Mark ones, was more interesting and did have a darker tone. But, like, that was also almost a decade ago. So it's like, does he still have it in him? Well, do we know if he's writing the script as well, or is that by the previous screenwriters uh i would hope that they kept the original script but ash probably knows more than i do what was that it's uh, the writing the the script for screen seven or it... that i do not um i think they're just focusing on like him directing it that's all i've seen i i'm not sure about who's going to be the writer okay so, well, I don't know. I mean, oh, go ahead. I'm so great. 
what happens to Scream 7 if Jenna Ortega's busy, Melissa Barrera <laughs> is working on this monster movie for Universal with Radio Silence, uh, does that force a script change? And are they automatically out now too? Because we also have the writer strike and the acting strike. So mm-hmm. what trumps what in this situation? It's just a question. Yeah. No, I mean, I was wondering that too. Why are they rushing this so fast? Why can't they like wait a year? Because we have a major strike going on. And like you said, Radio Silence and Melissa are busy. There's rumors that Jenna's not coming back. Oh, shit. It's going to be pretty interesting. It's not like she's like, yeah. Right. But yeah, I'd rather see her in Beetlejuice 2 than Scream 7 if it comes down to it. Are we pulling up for Beetlejuice 2? Yep. (sighs) I'm not a Beetlejuice fan, and I know that is so controversial. You can't say stuff like that out loud, or people are like, oh my gosh, really? I just, I can appreciate it. It's cool, but I'm not like, oh my gosh, Beetlejuice. It's it's okay to me. I mean, we didn't eat a sequel, but I'm looking forward to it now that we have it. But yeah, like just knowing that Jenna is going to be in it, I'm like, uh, I want to see it. Yeah, so, I think maybe it's a special place in my heart because it's like one of the Oh, at, at, in my lifetime, and I probably said this before many years ago, I did not know how much of my childhood was controlled by Tim Burton. But I went from Pee Wee's Big Adventure to uh, Beetlejuice to Batman. These are the three movie, or yeah, three movies I saw in a theater as a child, and I had no clue who the director was or why I like his dark, ter- dark thematic themes. With the lapse of people of color, <laughs> I couldn't not mention that. Yeah, that one guy. No, nah, they didn't. I was trying to think. One guy. No. Um, yeah, I, also, I, there was something about his visuals and his and his the way he told the stories that really appealed to me, especially as a kid. But you just it was so unique, especially at at the time. Definitely. Uh it appealed to my dark skull. Dark like uh, my soul. <laughs> Speaking of darkness, I guess we should take this moment to mention that Paul Rubens passed away earlier this week. Um <laughs> I assumed it was big enough news to where everyone knew this, but my best friend texted me this morning and asked if I knew. And I'm like, you're fucking kidding me, right? But it's fine. Uh, So if it is news to you, uh, there you go. Well, I hope not two weeks. I mean, not two weeks by the time this show comes out. Like, it's it's been a minute. I mean, I would say so, but it's also okay if you had not. Sorry for your loss. Actually, I loved him. I loved him in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the movie. Yes. I was just about to ask y'all what was y'all's favorite role he ever did. I mean, all of them, but yeah, definitely Buffy the Vampire Slayer. 
<laughs> the longest death scene probably in history. Um, are there any uh, any voice work of his that you guys are fans of? I mean, you know, Pee Wee, which I know isn't technically voice work, but Pee Wee, the character, was so such a big part of my childhood um, mm-hmm. that it's just you know, it's. Yeah, I am saddened by this loss. It's one of the celebrities I'm, that really did make me sad. What about did, yours? Did any of y'all watch Pee Wee's Big Holiday? It I did. Like, what'd you say? I did, but mostly for Jill Meganello. <laughs> okay. like, I watched it and I liked it. I didn't like what they did with his makeup. Like, they made him look like CGI. <clears throat> but they still captured okay. the essence of Pee-wee. It was just jarring to look at him. I gotta rewatch it again. I had to look up his voice work. I'm sorry. But, um... Oh, shit. Oh, he was in so many... Oh, my gosh, my childhood. I'm, like, having nostalgia. But he voiced the raccoon at Dr. Doolittle. And I used to love Dr. Doolittle. <laughs> okay. I've never seen that one. The one with Eddie Murphy? Yeah. I didn't know he was in that. I used to, oh my gosh, my poor VHS tape and player. <laughs> but. Well, Paul, thank you for your contributions to pop culture and cinematic history. And uh, I'm sure you will be missed by many. Yes. Next story, Ash. Alrighty. So recently, the trailer for The Exorcist Believer dropped. And let's just say it has received mixed feelings. And I am curious to know what y'all thoughts about are on it. Like if y'all, if y'all, if y'all see the trailer or not. I walked into a theater uh, over the weekend and I came in at the end of the trailer to where I knew what it was, but I didn't see the beginning of it. So I don't think I make a fair evaluation of it. I mean, I'm intrigued either way. Like, I'm going to go see it. Yeah. I'm going to say, Devin, what about you? <laughs> I was actually really looking forward to this. Because um, I'm a sucker for a shitty Exorcist sequel. But <laughs> this movie, it, it, the trailer was fine. It was a little middle of the road for me. A little bad, considering this is the long-awaited legacy sequel to you to the exorcist and David Gordon Green is back. So it, it felt like meh. Um, yeah, but I'll still see it, I guess. I was impressed <laughs> by the trailer, but I'll go see it. Or it's actually going to stream on Peacock <laughs> simultaneously The on the, when it's coming on the theaters. Really? Is it? Yeah. Oh. Not sure well, the sequels, because, you know, they're already... You know, it's going to be a new trilogy. The sequels are, from what I understand as of now, are just going to debut on Peacock. They're not even going to put the sequels in theaters. So That's as of now. 
Okay. <laughs> so y'all know with uh, The Exorcist being my number one favorite horror film ever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm excited. Okay. I'm excited that the movie's going to be released on Friday 13th, October 13th, y'all. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so with that being said, be watching the trailer. I was hyped. And no lie, I'm not like being overly dramatic. The trailer gave me the creeps. Especially at dramatic. Oh my gosh. I know. Especially at the end where we see that it's not gonna be just one possessed girl, it's gonna be two. But we see the two girls, they're like leaning on each other and they're just like drip, drop. Like for some reason that right there creeped me out. And I got like goosebumps. I'm like, shit, here we go. Like, I got the goosebumps. So that's a good, that's a good sign. Because in the, in the exorcist, the, there's only one specific scene in that whole movie that scares the shit out of me. And that's saying a lot because not a lot of things scare me. Mm-hmm. It's the, it's the spider crawl scene. Okay. That scene is the scariest thing to me ever. So. <laughs> I mean, I, I think it was terrifying I, in real time for everyone, too. Like, I wasn't that yeah. edited out of the film at one point? Yeah, yeah so it was, um, it was only seen in, like, the director's cut. Okay. Of it. Yeah. But now they have, they, they added it back, so it's all good. But I, I, I'm, I'm excited. I'm trying not to get crazy excited for it, but I am because I'm such a big fan. And I'm curious to see how, because it was later revealed that uh, Linda Blair was going to be in the project. So I'm curious to when they're going to bring her character back, either if it's going to be in the first film, second or third. We're not sure yet. I do enjoy that she's absent from the trailer. Um as a means, I hope it's just a means to entice younger fans without giving away the narrative. Yeah, because I'm looking at the cast list now, like on Wikipedia, she's not listed. So maybe she'll be in the second one, but we we don't know. I'm looking forward to this movie's release. I'm not before it's the reactions. Oh, bring on the yeah, reactions. Yeah. I... That's accurate, you actually. fucked up the Halloween franchise. Now you fucked up the Exorcist franchise. Oh, they're yeah. saying that now. Oh, God. The movie's not going out? Yeah. Exactly. I was reading some of the comments and people are like, uh, this is going to be dumpster fire. Oh, I see he's doing the repetitive shit. I'm like, calm down. Oh, goodness See, that's gracious. what's wrong now. Like we can't have we can't enjoy things because people always want to complain about it. Y'all want to complain when there's no original original material out there. You want to complain when people decide to reboot something. Like what the fuck do you want? You know anything about the fucking Barbie movie? <laughs> oh, don't get me started about that. I hate this. This I, at this crazy. point, I'm just ready for aliens to abduct my ass because I'm tired. <laughs> They're taking you back. It, the alien's looking at us like, I'm leaving. 
Ooh. This place is trash. Ooh, child, the ghetto, the ghetto. <laughs> they don't accept trans people. How they can accept me? I'm purple. You know. <laughs> but uh, I have well I'm not going to share this last piece of news let's let's get let's get it on okay (laughs) okay wait did you say you are or not oh I'm not oh I thought you but said. I can if you want me to. No, I I misheard you. I thought you said I'm gonna share this last piece of news. Let's get it on. So like I was like, oh, oh okay. no. All right. I mean, I can. Let me just go ahead. <laughs> All righty. It looks like Pumpkinhead is coming to 4K Ultra HD Shut later up. this year. Screen yes, factory. Yes, yes, yes. Screen factory. Who's typing that in right now? Me. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, so the 4K HD copy and Blu-ray copy. Let's see. Um, order from Shout Factory. You'll get an 18 by 24 poster with the original theatrical artwork. And it looks pretty impressive. Um, the collector's edition comes with a poster a prism sticker, lobby cards, and enamel pins from gutter grabs, gutter garbs. Okay. How much is it? I'm not sure about the price. Okay. The the special edition's one forty. The four K would be thirty five ninety nine. Which I'm glad to see they walk back their prices. I remember when they did the re release of the Michael Myers 4K, Halloween 4K. That shit was dumb expensive, and I see it's not selling for that much anymore. Um, also, Devin, I thought about you the other day. The original Scream oh. Factory Halloween box set is on Amazon right now for $800. And Wait, what? I, I had a sugar mama. Wait, what was $800? The Halloween Blu-ray box set. And Devin's the only uh-uh. horror fan I know that has it. I wish I would pay that much. You said $800? I wish I would. Yes. Who is buying that? Somebody will, because they've listed the price and it's been missing forever. Will it be me? Not today. No, that is that is <laughs> that's obscene. I love the Halloween movies, but I'm not spending eight hundred dollars on those movies. Now, if you hadn't got it at retail, would you be open to it? No, not for eight hundred dollars. Okay, yeah, I got bills. <laughs> <laughs> I felt that in my. I need that on a shirt. Can we make that a shirt? I got bills. <laughs> Like uh, I think we spent like what one thirty or one. It wasn't a ones. It was under two hundred dollars. We we bought it. Plus we got a couple of um, posters out of it. Yeah, I think that I I get inflation and everything like that. But even though I have a hard time. Like I just looked up the Halloween four K collection right now that they have, and it's Curse of Michael Myers H two O Resurrection. 
for $129.98. I'm just like, that is too much for three discs. Yeah. I'm actually looking at the Night of the Demons trilogy box set on show. And you get a lot. You do get a lot. But for two, it's like $200. I don't know. Maybe that's not too bad. But it's also Night of the Demons 2 and 3, which I don't mind 2, but 3, you know. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. I've not watched uh, 3 ever that I can recall. I have. And I couldn't really tell you a thing about it other than it was boring. Uh, that seems on par for what I thought it might be. Yeah, it felt very um, cheap <laughs> and like made for TV. <laughs> it probably was at the time. But as you piqued my pumpkin head interest, I probably won't get the special box and everything. I realized when I moved back here, I just have a closet of poster tubes. I've never framed them. I've never done anything with them. I don't want to put nails or tape on them. I just have a bunch of poster tubes. Maybe one day I'll have a horror cave like Barbarian. Probably shouldn't mention a Justin Long thing. Let's just get on to the main event here. Talk to me. And uh, I'll try not to repeat the for everyone that are fans of my other podcast that is temporarily back for right now, hopefully forever. We'll see. Gray Matter, but I did mention this on there. The directors of this film, Michael and Danny Philippou, are YouTube creators that had an opportunity to make a film. So whether you like this film, hate this film, thought it was dumb, mismarketed, or whatever, I, let's just take a moment to appreciate that we have content creators creating feature lead films purchased by individual studios or made on their own. I also mentioned Chris Stuckman before, and uh, there is a new high school kid that has a film picked up by A24 or his film picked up by A24 that we should be getting later. Um, so just giving kudos to people in our line of work. Yes, I just call this work. We don't get a salary or anything like that, but we like to do it. <laughs> um, just giving them their flowers. Yeah, they, they made a very impressive film debut. Yeah, and if you've never yeah. seen um, any of their YouTube work, Raka Raka, uh, you should check it out. The Ronald McDonald series is probably the funniest as far as a continuing series, but uh, they've been doing their thing for a while. Okay. Okay. Um, so as I mentioned, they are the writer and directors of this film, uh, as well as the cast gets credited as writers as well. So I'm assuming they were open to people perhaps making up their own lines or reworking the lines they were given, which I thought was also nice and would only happen on an independent film. That that doesn't happen in Hollywood where your main cast all gets writing credit. Then if you get paid. Yeah. Right. Um, if that happens. <laughs> um, so this is starring a, a bunch of people I'm not familiar with. So uh, just like I may have messed up the Philippou brothers, I may mess up these names. 
Ari McCarthy, Hamish Phillips, Kit, Aaron Hart, Bruce. Um, I am blanking. Sophie Wilde, our main character, Mia. I can't believe I blinked out on that. And my personal favorite, perhaps, uh, hopefully, breakout star, Joe Bird. I really enjoyed his performance. I felt like he had a lot to do in this film, even though he was incapacitated for a while. Um, and Zoe Tarkis, which I understand she's famous from another show or they, mm, my bad. I'm not really sure the proper pronoun. I apologize. Um, and Miranda Otto. I want her to be my stepmom and treat me like shit. <laughs> <laughs> Um, she so yeah. looked really good in this movie. I agree. I I, had, I was like, wait a minute. She looks familiar. I was like, I know who that is. Like, I was that Leo DiCaprio me like snapped my fingers like, hold up. I know who that person is. <laughs> that whistling at the screen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think she um with the time that we get to celebrate her on screen, she did a lot with this character. Yeah, she definitely gave one of the... I mean, they were all... All the actors were good, but she gave probably the most... I don't know, one of the strongest performances in a movie. Oh, for sure. For sure. All right, so before we get into this, Devin, you want to give us a description? Sure. Talk to me. Centers around when a group of friends discover how to conjure spirits using an embalmed hand, they become hooked on the new thrill until one of them, Bia, goes too far and unleashes terrifying supernatural forces. I don't know what you guys knew about this film going into it, but I hadn't seen a trailer. I wasn't aware of anything other than A24 had a film. Um, that they were releasing here in July. I I found out about the secondary through Xena and um, didn't watch the trailers, even once I knew I was going to go to this early screening. But for you all, how did you guys find out about the film? Did you like the trailer if you saw it? And then did it hold up to your expectation after you saw it? Devin. I'm sure I saw the trailer online or something, and it looked fine. It looked interesting. Um, it didn't. I wasn't necessarily wowed by the trailer enough to justify leaving my house and going to the theater and dealing with the shit I had to go through. I'll tell you about that in a minute. But oh. um, <laughs> I would have just assumed to wait for the stream. But there was such strong word of mouth of this movie that I said, "We have to go see this in theaters. We have to." So, all right, uh, you Ash. So I do remember watching the trailer, and I remember bits and pieces of it. But I do, I was like, "Oh, I'm so super excited for this! Like, this is up my alley. This is actually is kind of creepy because, like, the facial expressions of the characters when they're like touching the hand. I was like, oh." And then seeing Mia, how she was, I was like, oh, it's about to go down. Um, And then going into the movie, 
I'll save like my final thoughts at the end of the show. I was kind of a little disappointed because like with Devin, I, I saw like all the reviews online and everyone was like, oh my gosh, this is the best movie ever. It's my top film ever. Like I, like there was just so many strong reactions to it. So I do kind of blame myself for getting my hopes up high a little bit. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's all I have to say for now. <laughs> it was what? not what I was, it was not what I expected. There you go. Okay. All right. There's a. I, yeah, I think there's a difference. I've seen the trailer now since viewing the film. And I do think that if you are influenced by the trailer and that's why you saw the film, you're going to be let down. Um, I think if you are a horror fan and perhaps just recollect any other possession movie you've ever seen, I've seen some of the criticism is that there's not many deaths, but it's typically not a lot of deaths in possession films. It's more like the demon is weakening the soul of whoever they're trying to possess. It's not trying to kill it necessarily. Um, but, you know, <laughs> glass is half empty depending on whoever's holding the glass. So it's my only hot take from it. But we are quickly introduced into this film into a party scene Teenagers, looks like high school, college age. Can't really tell in the beginning. High um, school. Well, yeah, you learned that. Oh, maybe. wait. Oh, no, sorry. I, 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 I heard you wrong. I thought you meant like our core group. Never mind. Oh, yeah. My bad. yeah. I'm, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. I'm building. <laughs> <laughs> we have who we later find out is Cole looking for his brother, Duckett, uh, at a house party. And he's going through the room and... Uh, going through the house, excuse me, looking for me, finds him, locked himself in the bedroom. And I'm going to say this, because I think locking yourself in a bedroom is something that happens in this film and we don't ever discover or discuss. And I didn't talk about this on Grey Matter. Um, Cole breaks down the door, gets dug in, like, we're going home. And I would have to rewatch it again but as we're going back through the kitchen, Duckett says something to the effect of, Pop says I have to stop you or I can't let you do this. And he stabs Cole and then eventually takes his own life. And that whole exchange happened so quick that I wasn't really focused on it. But I do know 100% he says Pops said X. Do any of y'all know what he really said, or uh, do we have to wait until I figure it out? I'm going to have to wait until you figure it out. I do remember some weird dialogue going on, but I, I can't remember exactly what was said the first time. Okay. Um, and then we jump to uh, the introduction of the character Mia. She's suffering some type of loss. There's an exchange with someone who I'm not really sure if that's like an aunt, a peer, or someone in the family. Um, I want to say aunt because she says your father. She doesn't say dad or uncle, whoever. Um, like, so maybe she's like 
a peer or a sibling. So you wouldn't say, have you talked to, what was his name, Max? Because that's what she would call Max if she was an aunt. She would say your father. So that's the best I could guess. If they say her name, I completely missed it. Feel free to jump in. And then uh, we jump ahead to two years later, which wasn't clear to me. I'm not sure if that was clear to you guys. And um, Mia is now at home having this. Her dad's coming home, diffused in the background behind her. And there's the, the diegetic sound going on of like her washing the dishes, stopping the dishes. She can hear him. We can hear him. And then the going back and forth of like she's clearly annoyed, doesn't want to be interacting with her father for whatever reason. Uh, I think it comes off well as a mix between I'm just a brooding teenager and you're annoying me, period. And you're lucky I'm doing these fucking dishes uh, versus what later is probably just grief and she's not dealing with it correctly. Uh, From there, we are Mia answers Riley. Riley is introduced to us along with his best friend. I can't remember that dude's name. James? Was it James? Uh, I, I think it was. Okay, let's say best friend. <laughs> so, the BFF. We're, we're introduced to Riley and James, and they are checking out the Elf Boys TikTok or Snapchat, and uh, they're having a little exchange about trying a cigarette for the first time, but not really trying it. Mia picks up Riley. They have a, is it a, I shouldn't know this song. Sia. Chandelier. Chandelier. Thank you. Uh, I thought that moment was cute. It it was really early in the film, but I felt like these two characters really know each other and can be vulnerable around each other to be singing Sia in the car uh, full tilt. Which I thought was nice. (laughs) Is Sia Australian as well? Yes. Oh, okay. Okay. That's a nice little, I don't tie in or whatever they did. Yeah. I didn't know that. I, I could barely get her name out and her song title. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, But I thought the scene was cute and it worked. Uh, and then we're going home to meet Jade, who is, I don't know. My first encounter with Jade, I didn't like her. What did you guys think? Don't get me started on her. <laughs> She's the older sister. She did not pick up Riley. She goes even into detail as to why she doesn't pick up Riley. Because he's on Do Not Disturb. <laughs> Her priorities were were not there. She was more worried about talking to her boyfriend. And don't get me started on that either. But yeah, I, I was not a fan of her. Do you think she was talking to Daniel or do you think she was just talking to anyone? I think it was a mixture of both. Yeah, I thought about that later because, like, she's texting someone when they come in, but I feel like she also gets a phone call when she's talking to just Mia. So both of those couldn't have been Daniel because, let's be honest, he's not that into her, (laughs) as we find out later. Um, throughout this exchange, we find out that she has a boyfriend, and then we're quickly introduced to Miranda Otto's character, Mom. <laughs> I forget her name. Does she have a name? 
don't. Sue. Sue. Oh, oh yes. Sue. Okay. Sue. I was thinking mom. <laughs> um, which I have already said. I enjoyed every second she was on screen. Um, she doesn't disappoint. There's this funny exchange where she's like, and I, I'm guilty of this, and I think that's why I'm so funny about it. She's like, oh, you're sneaking out? She's like, I'm not sneaking out. She's like, the only time you come to see if I'm going to bed is when you're sneaking out. And it's like, I was definitely one of those kids of doing, like, a thing. And I was about to do something bad. <laughs> and it's like, oh, they won't catch on. They won't catch on. I just got to make sure. So do you need anything? <laughs> That's what I would do. I'll go in my grandmother's room and ask her if she needed anything. It's like, I go to store. Yeah. Every single time. And then she's like, uh, Sue was like, good night, Mia. And then Mia's like, are we sneaking out? <laughs> and Jade's like, shh. <laughs> and it's just like becomes this whole thing and it's only a total of 30 seconds but I just I was cracking up because I was just like yeah kids convince themselves that they're really in charge and running shit but Sue's just like straight up no I'm not I'm not dumb I'm allowing you to sneak out of this house lock the door it's <laughs> <laughs> awesome yeah uh did you mention so what was his what was the boy's name? The um oh shit. Riley? Daniel. Oh, the Daniel. Yeah. So yes. So I this is one of the thing one of the things that kind of drove me nuts about this movie. It's like this weird love triangle between Mia, Jade, and Daniel. So a long time ago. Mia and Daniel dated for like a short time and obviously broke up right. and then him and Jade are dating but you can tell Mia still has feelings for him and even J- even Jade like calls calls out she she called her out and she's like no no I don't have feelings for him yeah. well I something to their relationships but it, I don't know it didn't really amount to a whole lot in my opinion but it added some drama yeah except like for that like that one little scene later on in the movie the Quentin Tarantino scene but we'll get there Um, we'll get there because you guys are wanting something and I'd love to add some stuff I'm just going to get these other two characters out of the way and then we can get into the nitty gritty Uh, we get to the party they are greeted ungreeted by the high school bully Haley and his, her, them, they. Do you guys know? They. They. They, they go by they. Thank you. Jesus. Uh, not Jesus <laughs> as in like, never mind. I'll just shut up. I know it's right. <laughs> yeah, I'm just, I don't, I keep messing this up and I'm not trying to. Um, Haley and their best friend Tyson. Um, at this party, and this is where we get the introduction to the hand, and that possibly Haley is a bully, and that Mia and Haley have a backstory as well, which isn't really explored other than it is clear that Haley does not like Mia at this conjuncture. Um, and then we talk to the hand for the first time, in which Mia... <laughs> talk to the hand. <laughs> is very happy to participate and we kind of get to look into this world of what these kids have been uh, up to before we get to meet them. 
Now, uh, circling back to this, you did say how um, Mia has this issue, right? She's inserted herself in this family and she doesn't know boundaries. She's picking Riley up when her sister should do it. She should never agree to it. Jade should just be a good person and pick her up. And maybe Jade would have the opportunity to be a good person if Mia wasn't circumventing the situation by inserting herself. And as you guys mentioned with being with Daniel, um, she's definitely pushing the boundaries of like how close she is with him still and can't fully give him up to let Jade have her relationship. And there is a moment when they're there and she's like hyper fixated on them holding hands. And to me, it's just like, she's like, that used to be my hand. I used to hold that hand. That hand used to hold me. Which is very yeah, She still has some resolved feeling. Yeah, unresolved feelings for him. Yeah, and Miranda yeah. Otto's character even picks at it. She's like, so what? You're just third wheeling this whole time? <laughs> she gets like super embarrassed, but it's it's true. Like, why are you there? There's There's no need for Mia to be around at all. But anyway, once we're introduced to this world... Uh, are you guys, one, as a horror fan, thinking this is what you signed up for? And then two, as just a, a person watching a film, are you interested in the world beyond? Yeah. As a as a person, yes. I thought the premise was intriguing if not original, but I thought it was, it's sort of like a, an update to almost like a Bloody Mary or a candy band type of urban myth. That if you do Ooh. this certain ritual, this you'll have this connection to the other side. Um, mm-hmm. I, and I wouldn't mind seeing sequels to this movie. I, um, okay, let me back up for a second here. I had a shitty movie theater experience watching this movie. All right. So normally, my partner and I will go to this really shitty indoor mall that has a movie theater. Like it's it, like they should really tear this mall down. Like whatever. But the theater is okay, and we've been going there ever since we lived here in California. But this time I said, let's check out this other theater, and I don't want to call the name out or anything. But it's a I was just chain. About to add. <laughs> Fuck it, I'll say it's called Look Dine In Cinema, mm-hmm. and there's one in a neighboring city that we went to. So we'll check this place out for the first time. And it's one of those theaters that has, you know, you can order drinks and chef-inspired meals come into your, your, your seat and everything. So we ordered our food and drinks before the movie. And, like, our food came, but our drinks didn't. And it took halfway through the movie. And I'm like, I, what's happening? We have, to get, we have to get our drinks. And we're both really frustrated. So I had to get up, go to, little, go to the manager, complain. It, it kind of took us out of, the whole, out of the whole movie. We had really, really shitty service. There are a couple of things there, but I just don't want to complain too much. So because I was in a shitty mood, I was not watching the movie with the grace that I should have been giving it. So I was just already annoyed. And the characters were super annoying to me. Oh, it was like my experience with Evil Dead Rise. Oh, really? Yes. I had a shitty ex- movie like experience and it just took me out. Yeah. I'm willing to give the movie another chance because I, I didn't love this movie and a part of it with 
Okay. Did I cut out? Yeah. Yes. Okay, sorry about that. Um, yeah, I think it affected my overall uh, view of the movie. Okay. So it was just like the vibe was off. Yeah, the vibe was off. And then when I looked up, I was annoyed by these teenagers. I'm like, why are they doing that? I know it's a movie, but why are they trying to get in contact with the dead? Like, who would do something like that? That's just stupid. We Um, live in an age of social media and everybody just trying to get their moment of fame. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's exactly what it was. Yeah. Because you see how right when someone was like shaking the hand, everyone like pulled out their phone. Right. Like not. So not I was like, "Yep, that's anything. commentary." I must have missed this, but were they uploading those videos to like a YouTube or YouTube type? Yeah. App? Okay. It was like, yeah, it was like, like, like a TikTok, YouTube type, yeah. type of deal. Whatever their okay. world social media or Snapchat. platform was. Okay, so there's an angle for the sequels, or one of the angles for the sequels. Look at you already going ahead to the uh, sequels. What did you think about it, Gray? I thought it was interesting from the standpoint of... I guess that these ghosts are just waiting around. I mean, it kind of makes a surreal thing of like, we're not alone, right? There are tons of ghosts just trying to communicate with this realm for whatever reason. I don't think they actually get anything substantial out of the ghost um, throughout this whole film. And I think that 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 could be something as well for a sequel of a ghost that actually has a purpose versus, Mm -hmm. uh, again, Mia being selfish. If we skip ahead a little bit. So basically they have fun the first night. And then they go on to be like, and I'm not sure what this is, but Daniel can't ask Haley for permission. So he sends Jade to ask Haley if he can play with the hand. And they, Haley agrees to it and they arrange another um, situation at Jade's house to where they can link up and do the hand again. And this is one of my favorite scenes with Miranda Otto of her just trying to get the kids to slip up and admit that there's a party, which I don't think there ever was a party. Right? They're just getting together to do this hand thing. So I don't think the kids were lying, but like she was hell-bent of like, oh, it's okay, it's okay. Devin told me. What time's the party? <laughs> <coughs> and the fact that she just kept going from person to person made it that much better for me. And like no one's given her anything. Um, so I mentioned all this to say we have Daniel embarrass himself or ghost embarrassed him and um, Mia hops in the chair for the second time and everyone has a go it's a nice little montage you only ever get to see Mia portray multiple ghosts um, throughout this montage which is fine like I thought it was, Sophia did a great job interpreting all these different characters for, I don't know, all of two minutes. Uh, that was fun. But then at the end of this, Riley wants to go. And 
he no one wants to let him go and he convinces Mia the villain Mia's the villain of this film there I said it and Mia's like sure <laughs> you can do I'm it I'm going to challenge you on that after this okay she says yeah you can do it for 50 seconds let's go they strap him in he sees <laughs> what I believe is Rhea Mia's mom I believe that part is true but because of her maniacal, selfish ways, Mia doesn't let him let go. And she forces him to go longer so that she can have this conversation with her mother. Which, at this point, ghosts cease to be existing and a demon enters Riley. And this is... Probably a scene on par with Alex Wolf and Hereditary, which I've said before, where Riley beats the shit out of himself with every wooden object in his mm-hmm. directory. Trajectory. And um, I, I thought that scene was awesome. However, now we have a problem. Because now Riley is possessed by a demon and we no longer have friendly ghost. But... Devin, I'm interested in this anti-villain theory. <laughs> this is going to be good because I read somewhere, it's this group I belong on Facebook, and someone's like, me is the villain. I was like, oh shit, okay. Mm. So, I, oh, I'm ready for this. No, I was just going to say, I'm ready for this. I, I don't fully disagree with Mia being the villain, but I also, this movie to me is, even though I was so taken out of the movie, um, I recognize immediately that this movie is about addiction. It's a metaphor for addiction. And so with Mia, it, it's sort of like the, the, this hand represents the, you know, on the face value, this hand represents just this, um, like a, a seance that these kids are doing for fun. But Mia develops sort of an addiction to that thrill of going to the other side. And then when this ghost who is in the form of her, her deceased mother comes to, um, Riley's vision. Actually, I don't. I'm not even fully convinced that's actually her mom. I think that's actually a demon the whole time, just tricking mm-hmm. her. And because of her addiction, quote unquote, she's so high at this point. She helps encourage a fit, a younger teenager because Riley's what 12, 13, maybe fourteen. Mm-hmm. He, he's a much younger character. She convinces him to take the drug, and if they're only supposed to take the drug for ninety seconds. But because she's so influenced by this demon, she's begging him to go past the 90 seconds. And now he gets slipped into an induced coma, a drug-induced coma. I really think if you look at the movie as a metaphor for addiction, Mia's not really the villain per se. She's more of a victim that's sort of getting other people addicted as well. It's interesting that you went the addiction route because... um, Yeah, it's interesting you went the addiction route because I don't, I see the kids, I I guess, yes, getting some type of high or rush from the proposed out-of-body experience, but I look at Mia's character as just suffering, and she's longing for a connection. That's why she inserted Mm -hmm. herself in that family. That's why she wants to hold hands with something. She wants to hold hands with Daniel. Like, if you look at throughout this whole film, there's hands 
and Mia's hands all over the place. Like she's just mm-hmm. lost ever since her mother passed and she's looking for something to make her feel good again. So I can kind of see the rush from the, um, the rush from being possessed. But I also, I interpret that as in like, she just did it because she wants to be liked and people to accept her and want her around. Because the first time she goes, one yeah. saying, yeah, I'll do it. So she's like, oh, I'll be the spectacle. I'll let this happen. Because we only ever see Ghost from Mia's perspective. We, No one else, when they see something, do we ever see it as the audience? I thought when Daniel saw, one of the guys I thought saw something. That we saw? Yeah. Didn't somebody else see a ghost? Because um, I thought that was weird how no because they somebody said, "Oh my gosh, there's a ghost, there's a ghost," and all the other people kind of brushed them off. And I'm like, "Well, it, that's weird. Isn't that the goal in this whole game in the first place?" It was Daniel, wasn't it? Because I he, thought it was Daniel when yeah. he did when he was going through that. It seemed so fake. And now that you brought that up, I'm like, did his eyes even go like crazy? Like you right. know how their eyes like change. Yeah, yeah, when yeah. went full sclera lens. I believe that's but what like the called. very first time, like he did it, like it, it just seems so fake. He's like, "Whoa, God!" It's all about the right character because the only time Daniel did it, he started masturbating on the floor and making out with the dog. Oh gosh! <laughs> it could have been one of the other guys, but I could have sworn it was Daniel. Where we see Daniel's ghost? Yeah. Which ghost? I feel like it was a very obese ghost who looked like he had drowned or something. That was oh, Mia. that was the first lady. Yeah, that's the gurgler. Okay, I do remember one of the guys like freaking out at a ghost, and everybody was dismissing him. Like, that's the, isn't that the point? That's why y'all here. Why y'all dismissing him? But like, as you say, he might have been faking, and maybe they figured that out or something. No, I'm not saying that the I'm not saying the characters don't see a ghost. I'm saying we as the audience only see the ghost. Right. In yeah, no, we saw his ghost, I thought. Uh, I gotta see that. the movie. You saw it twice. I only saw it once. <laughs> but I thought I saw like he saw the ghost was on the couch because he was, you know, in front of this the friends and all the friends were on a couch in front of him and he saw the ghost on the couch. What? <laughs> am I make, I, I'm not making that up, am I? I don't remember. Okay, I got to see the movie again. Because <laughs> the, they were always sitting at a table with the hand. So how would the ghost be on the couch? Okay, so he was on the on the chair or whatever at the table doing the ritual. He's facing his friends. And his friends are, some of them are on the couch, like right in front of him. I'd have to watch it again. I gotta watch it again too now. Now I feel like I'm going crazy. Okay, but I'm smiling because it's out, and I'm like, like, I like the idea that I missed something. No, I probably did. <laughs> um, I get. Wow, we really got a tangent there. So we were talking about the addiction that Mia possibly has, um, versus grief. Ash, what was your take? What do you think she's? What ails her or gets her going? See, my whole thought, like, with this movie was just, it was about grief. 
And one of my questions was like, okay, so why was everyone acting so weird towards Mia? Because like even before the party, just like everyone was just like giving Mia the cold shoulder and all that stuff. Even when um at the school when they were talking to Haley, Haley's like, ugh, Mia. So like, is it because she was grieving over her mother's death that she was just like in a weird state of mind? And so people are like, oh, she's so weird. We don't want her around us. Or like, did something happen before that made her have like strained relationships with everyone? <laughs> but uh, like, just hear what Devin said about like the like thinking this movie, taking this movie as a metaphor of addiction. I was like, that makes a lot of sense. I think it's it's a cross between grief and addiction. Oh, I definitely think they go hand in hand. Yeah. Because I yeah, I also don't understand why they, why Mia was given a cold shoulder because I mean not that grief goes away, but her mother her mother died like two years before the movie set. So it wasn't like she, you know, it was a fresh trauma. It's it's right. been a while. Um so I'm surprised that her friends were were giving her this cold shoulder even I don't know, even now. Like she can grieve in her own way. Like, um, but if she is if she is going through grief and she wants some sort of relief, like that drug would be the perfect relief yeah. from that grief. No, yeah, I was just like thinking, I'm like, there has to be a reason. Maybe Mia's character has just never been the same since her mother's death. There is a um without getting into much detail, but if you'll notice throughout the film, Mia only wears white black and yellow throughout the whole film. Hmm. And it's significant in the aspect of like, there's a reason why our color is yellow. Uh, the candle is yellow. Even when you don't think Mia is wearing yellow, if you look closely to everything she's wearing, there's a yellow piece in whatever she's wearing. So her character being the magic person that uh, ends up like Duckett, it's not coincidental. Like there is a, a connection that is formed from her period. And it's probably the grievance of a lost parent. Because if Duckett is talking to his deceased father, she's talking to her deceased mother, even if it's a demon. Like the demon's preying on specific loss. Duckett doesn't wear yellow, though. I'm trying to see if yellow... Obviously, we know black represents <laughs> grief, and even white can represent grief as well. Um, I was trying to think if yellow had a connection to any of those, but... It might, but I don't know. Do gray matter to get the details. Stay louder. Stay louder. <laughs> I want to promote yourself, so I didn't get clear. No, I said it might. No, I'll say it. I'm going to, I'm going to turn into gray matter episode about <laughs> talk to me to find out what the yellow means because now I'm curious. Possibility uh, of what the yellow means. I I think it's such a subtle nuance throughout the film that it's because it's right there in plain sight. Um, but I do think that circling back to what you say, I think the first ghost was Rhea. And when the demon realized his chance, he took it. Because if you remember, like, before, when Mia's possessed, one of the ghosts is like, oh, there's a bunch of us here, but they want you. 
And so like no demon bothers anyone until Riley is perhaps boosted by Mia. Cause there's only a couple times in the film where two people touch the hand at the same time. And it's centered around demon action. <clears throat> so I think that once the demon realizes how he's going to work the situation, he keeps presenting as Rhea. I think that's her name. It's something that sounds like Mia. Yeah, it's Rhea. It's giving insidious. Uh, Raina. Well, this, I mean, this whole idea of, like, these demons or these entities are just waiting to, like, take possession of somebody, of a live body. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a lot of movies like that, but because I just saw Insidious 5, that's heavily on my mind. I think of it as like the ghosts are just trying to communicate with the living. I don't look at it as like they're trying to stay because <clears throat> the ghosts aren't the ones like the hand isn't haunted from the standpoint of it keeps appearing places after people try and destroy it. Like this is a hand that people are willingly exchanging and carrying around on the living side. Uh, instead of like, no one's trying to go further into the deeper or whatever it's called in its cities. But they want the hands, like as a as a for my Halloween decorations. Wait, what? Not the real hand, but like oh, a replica hand. of the hand. I thought you yeah. said I want to wear him as a Halloween decoration. And that's why I was like, who and what are you doing? What in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre? I'm not that skilled. <laughs> uh, you had my attention, though. Um, all right, so moving forward, we, we find out that Mia's definitely haunted by the demon, and she's struggling with figuring out what is reality and what is not. And this is what takes us to the Tarantino scene of us as an audience finally getting uh, a better understanding of what happens when they're possessed. They're having an out-of-body experience. So as to where they're unaware that they're having an out-of-body experience. When they see the ghosts, they are seeing what we would see, but they are possessed by the ghosts and they don't realize that. We only see this through Mia, though. So Daniel, against his better judgment, spends the night at his ex-girlfriend's house because that always ends well. <laughs> and wakes up to Mia living out Quentin Tarantino's <laughs> wedding screen. She was sucking on those toes. <laughs> Which is, like, extra gross because, like, he didn't shower before they went to bed. There's like blood in between his toes and stuff because it's stop it. Ew. Ew. <laughs> not for she wasn't just licking all those toes, she was like <laughs> devouring those, those toes. I or wonder, the ghost or whatever. I want to know what that was like for Daniel's character because he had to put his foot in two different people's mouths <laughs> for this scene. And it's like, do you get a manicure? Do you, is there a Ew, person okay. that like cleans your foot after each scene? How many takes was it? Like, is he getting his toe sucked for four hours? 
And is she, is there like a dental dam in there? Like, what's happening? Yes. <laughs> like, oh, my God. Yeah. Oh. The, the seems traumatic. Like I'm <laughs> rush. I just, uh, I hate feet, period. Yeah, yeah. Not king shaman. Exactly what uh, Devin said. I'm just distraught right now. Um, so we're going to move on. Uh, and the reason I bring this up is because when we get to the scene where Mia is being attacked by fake Max uh, and she's not realizing that she's again having an episode, she ends up killing or wounding, mortally wounding her father who... I don't know what he thought his daughter was doing, but I feel like as a father, I would have kicked my child first. (laughs) What are you doing? I'm not going to just lean in when I see them reaching for a weapon. Because, like, if, like, I I don't know, my mind, it's like I would walk in that room, my kids on drugs. I wouldn't necessarily swoop in when I see them clearly reaching for something. But just stabbed him back. Yeah. I was like, maybe he's just never done drugs before. And, uh, you know, should have got a bucket of cold water and threw it on her. See if that helped. I have a question for y'all. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was just me, but have y'all, like, watching the movie, they barely showed the father. Me as father. I did notice that. Yeah. I noticed that too. Yeah, I was just like, is there a reason why they didn't want to, want us to see his face, or are we supposed to just like pretty much see everything through the eyes of Mia, and like with her having a strained relationship with him, and she's so like annoyed with him, like she just like she didn't want to look at him. Yeah, I think it's a metaphor on the surface for her being in a dark place. If yeah, if you notice, none of the scenes where he's in, the lights are on. Some would yeah. say they don't have power. No, they would. They definitely kept his face like in the shadows a lot. Even in the end scene, you don't see his face. The only time you see it is when Jade finds his body. Other than that, every scene he's covered in some way or badly lit. It's like the lighting of any person of color that was the main character of a movie in the 80s. They just didn't know what to do. If I'm like, like Canon or some shit like that. <laughs> <laughs> New World Cinema. Oh. Um, so one question that I, I kind of teased in the beginning and now because I didn't think about it at all. Do you think that Mia's mother found the hand? No. I mean, I didn't think that. What made you think that? Well, I... This is kind of... I'm going to undo something I thought earlier this week, but it's fine. Uh, Because presumably in the beginning of the film, you see Duckett isolated himself and locked himself in a room. And it was probably for his own... For for their protection, right? Like, he knows something bad's going to happen, so he's isolating himself. 
Rhea could have asked Max to lock her in that room because she knew the same thing. Like once the hand has you, it seemed like, you know, you could see the ghost without the hand. So like if she knows she's about to hurt herself or hurt her family and she's trying to control it or figure it out, it would make sense that she would be locked in that room. And it looks like a suicide the same way that Mia's death looks like a suicide. Duckett's death looks like a suicide. They say multiple times that there's wood underneath her nails from where she tried to get out of that room. That's not someone that wants to commit suicide. That's someone that's trying to escape from something. But if she's in a room by herself, what is she trying to escape from? <laughs> that that makes sense. I mean, it makes more sense than what I had in my head. Because I was that was the part I was actually really confused by was did she actually kill herself or was she murdered? Because it was to me super ambiguous. Well, I mean, the more it sits with me, that could make perfect sense as to why Max tried to intervene with Mia because he knows what the locked door represents. And that's the true secret he's been keeping for two years. He thinks he's protecting Mia by not telling her what really happened versus preparing her for what happened. Two days ago, I thought something very different. (laughs) Yeah, listen. I mean, it's along the same lines, but this part just makes sense. Because, yeah. The fact that there was things underneath her nails, the wood chips. It's like she did not want to die in the moment that she died. So it's not a traditional unaliving. You said, say that again? There's one detail I didn't even think about. Oh. Ash, what did you think? You don't hear me? Can you hear me? Yeah. (laughs) All right, sorry. I don't know why... It was on mute, and then it wasn't okay. Anyways, what was that? Uh, what do you think about Rhea's the terms around Mia's death? Around me, Rhea. Yeah, I'm sorry. I meant the mom. The mom. Okay. Okay. I am still stuck. Like I'm. I keep going back and forth. I really think the dad has something to do with it, and I think he ends up writing the letter for. The letter that he read to Mia. But, um, yeah, I, I, I didn't really notice the, the, the wood chippings underneath her nails. I just always had, like, I, I just had, like, the weird vibe that the dad has something to do with it. Yeah, they never, to me, they didn't clear it up, but maybe it's, it's meant to, maybe there's more to it, like, like, like Agrea said. Yeah. It but might like, be. like with the letter that he read to me, I was like, that don't sound right. And then you waited two whole years to read it to your daughter, knowing that she was struggling with it. The math ain't mathing. Yeah, I think no matter what, that letter was fake. 
you didn't just all of a sudden come to terms right when you're about to lose your daughter and be like, I'm going to read you a letter from your mother that could have helped you not get to this place you're at right now. I mean, Sue would never have done that. <laughs> your dad's dead. He didn't like us anymore. What do you want to talk about? <laughs> I wish I could do an Australian exit. Uh, I tried so many times. It's so hard. It's not as easy as a British accent. I watched... Um, what's that girl's name? Millie Bobby Brown, where people read the things, what people most Google about you. And uh, one of the questions was like, how does she do her English accent? And the way that like, sometimes I you see actors, like they like freeze because they're like turning it on. I don't know how to describe it. But like Millie Bobby Brown, it could be just because she's younger. Like she seamlessly goes back and forth. There isn't any pause or anything like that. She'll just talk in a regular accent or she'll talk regular and then she'll use an American accent and almost interchangeably. I'm just like, that is something I could never do. But I feel like it's easier for everyone to do an American accent than any American to do a foreign accent. I've heard that before. Like the English one is pretty easy to to do. Right. I like to believe it's because we don't speak with an accent. Like most people, when they sing in English, they sound like us, no matter what country they're from. We have an accent, don't we? To them, we have an accent. To them, to other people, we have an accent, right? I mean, but that's right. Them, but if you're going by like the English, right? The original mm-hmm. pilgrims and people that left England sound like us. And then when they got here, the people in England changed the way they talked to differentiate. So in so many words, their accent is fake. Like on purpose. Obviously, originally, not right now. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. As to where we got here, we copied the red, white, and blue. (laughs) It's like, we hate England, but we're still going to do some things the exact same. <laughs> okay, never knew that. Uh, yeah, Tangent City. Uh, I guess we should wrap it up. The film ends with Mia trying to put Riley uh, out of what she thinks is his misery and realizes that it's not Riley that needs to die. It's her. And what looks like Jade intervening in time. I'm not really sure. What do you guys think happened right there? Do you think Jade pushed her in the street? Or do you think Mia jumped? I think Mia jumped. Uh, yeah, I think she jumped. You uh, think or do you pushed. think otherwise? <laughs> Ooh! Oh, I, think, I think very much so that she jumped. Like, she finish the things she couldn't do earlier when she was supposed to put the kangaroo out of his misery and she couldn't do it. She's letting someone else put her out of misery by jumping in front of a car. Like full circle. See, now that you brought up Jade getting there just in time, maybe she did push her. 
Oh, I'm gonna have to go back and see this movie again. Yeah, I gotta go back and watch it. <laughs> that whole part was kind of weird because I'm like, how the hell did you go down that steep hill with a wheelchair? And then Jade, how you get down there just in the nick of time? I don't know. Movie magic, maybe. I don't know. I wish if she did push her, I wish they would have showed it because that would have been a ma- you know, some catharsis for that character. That would have been resolution for Jade in, in some form. But that's not the end. Uh, no. Um, Mia has her final body out of experience. Whoa. What? Mia has her final out-of-body experience and uh, begins her journey into the further in which she finally finds Patrick Wilson's light and is meted and greeted as the hand with... um, Mike says it's French. Uh, I have no clue what language they were speaking. And Spain. No. It was so quick to me that I didn't, I don't know. But a foreign language, in Europe. probably French or Spanish. Um, which I would appreciate it if they just kept speaking whatever language. They switched to English. Um, and at first I thought it was one of those things where, you know, some films will start with Russians talking in Russian and subtitles will come up, but then the characters will start speaking English and it's supposed to be understood that we just understand Russian, so we hear it in English or whatever. But I was like, there was never any subtitles, and I still don't know what language they were speaking. Oh. I was, I was giving them too much credit, basically. And Mia finds out that she found her way through the hand. And the cycle, either the plot thickens or the cycle keeps going. We'll see. TBD. And that. She's on the other side. Yeah. And that's the film. I, I well, What were you gonna say? No, I said, well, that that's that wraps it up. <laughs> I I do have one question for you. I asked the same question before to Mike and Bobby. Do you think the messages on the hands are from the living or from the dead? Oh, I thought they were just like scribbles. <laughs> Some are used as a cast, and then other parts of it are messages. I, I thought they were from the dead. Yeah, okay. I thought the same thing. I think that uh, each, each uh, dead person that uses it as a conduit leaves an imprint on there or a message. Oh, too bad we didn't see Mia's print on her. Well, because she's still Making alive. This... It wouldn't happen until they're done with her. Unless you believe well, my theory I... that Mia's been dead the whole fucking movie. What? Dun, dun, dun. Is, that, is, that on, is that on Great Matter? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay, I'm going to listen to that. <laughs> No, I, I I enjoyed the movie. I thought it was a, a a good horror film. I again, I was just my overall experience sort of took me out of it. Um, I do think it was a bit overhyped. 
but you know that's par for the course at this point um i am i'm happy to see an original horror film from fresh filmmakers and at least here in america the actors aren't household names uh have such a strong um debut and the audience for the most part has taken a liking to it. it it's not like the best movie of the year for me i would put it in the top 10 but not the top five it just it didn't grab me but again i have to watch it again <laughs> I, I like your wordplay um, uh, yeah maybe i'm gonna stream me i i I've, I've said it before i'll say it again definitely top three film of the year for me like even outside of horror uh, but oh, I interesting. Think, okay. I think that the, the part of the problem is with the film is because, like, if you're not, if you're, if this movie is being billed like the marketing does of one of the scariest movies of all time, like, when people hear that, they're expecting like a bloodbath, jump scares, uh, and carnage galore, right? And this film is really methodical. Like, there are a lot of things, even from sound design that are very purposeful. Mia's character and her interactions with her friends are very purposeful. Her wardrobe, the color yellow, uh, very purposeful. But a lot of horror fans aren't looking to think when they're in the film. And I think that's a problem. But I do think as the film goes on, like people will start to get it and understand it, and then it might hit them. Ask you. I hated it. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Oh. You know, when you said you no. hated it, I thought of the kid of in, in the Babadook. Oh my gosh. Don't get me started on that. <laughs> no, I... We're, this is our final, uh, our final thoughts, right? Yeah. I mean, unless yeah, there was okay. something else you wanted to delve into. I just want to know. Okay, let me go on a little tangent. Yeah, please, y'all. I would be, I would be done with everyone in that whole damn room if they let me lay on the floor, make out with a dog. Oh yeah. They just stood there. I was like, "Are you? Are you serious?" Uh, and they were trying to re- like record it and everything. No, that no. I would have cut ties off with everyone in that whole damn room. But anyways. No, I mean, if I was Daniel, I would have not come back. I wouldn't be like, no phones this time. I would have stopped every fucking phone in that room. I would have I would have cussed their asses out. Yeah, it's like, I don't care. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, uh, my final thought, so, I love the originality of it. I love, um, uh, I like the movie, I, my expectations for it just got the best of me because like what I said earlier everyone's like oh my gosh the best movie ever oh my gosh I cried oh my gosh it scared the shit out of me like I was just like oh my gosh yay this is gonna be my kind of movie mm-hmm. and I think so I was like stuck on that and then I had like hopes of it of being something else like I was thinking oh Mia's gonna be possessed throughout the whole damn movie and she's gonna be killing people that was my impression of the movie, and that's what I was hoping for. And like when that didn't happen, I was like, "Well, damn, 
I feel like we should have got a couple of those bodies f- among that friend group. Yeah, see. <laughs> so that's what I was hoping for. But overall, I mean, I like the movie. I'm still trying to figure out if it's going to be in my top list for the year. But yeah, I I, I am I'm debating, I, I, not debating, but I will go back and see it in theaters again to see if I missed anything. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I'll definitely see it again. I don't know if I'll be in the theaters just for timing. I got some s- s- travel coming up. Um, and I see how quick Insidious went to VOD. Like it's already streaming. And then yeah. I was like, was that even a full month? No, no. I think it came out July fifth. Yeah, so I feel like, uh, <laughs> you know, this this movie could be gone before I know it, and I know I can't do it this weekend. So we'll see. Otherwise, I would love to see it in the theater again. I think one because uh, I don't have a nice television and or sound system where I'm currently located, or not even sound system. I don't even have a sound bar. Like, there's it's nothing. So. I have been watching a lot of movies in the theater more so than I normally do. How many severed, embalmed, possessed hands out of five do you give this movie, Gray? Um, four plus one middle finger. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Ash? Uh, he said out of five yes I mean, if you need six go ahead <laughs> I I will give it uh, this is tough because I keep going I'll just go ahead and round up to a three because I was going to do 2.75 but I'll do three I'll give it a three as well. Like I said, I wasn't like knocked over the head with the movie the first time, but again, not the movie's fault. I'm going to watch it again, but I did recognize um, some of the, uh, the the strong creative choices that were made in this movie. And it is refreshing to see a, an original horror film in theaters and not a sequel or remake or reboot. Uh, so true. Perhaps to this movie. And I like that you put it in the category of Bloody Mary and Candyman. Um, Me too. Because the incantation uh, tropes from my childhood, I think this generation does need something like that. And, and if kids are circling around in a bomb hand saying, I let you in, I hope you do that. Because <laughs> <clears throat> we only had mirrors to play with. We didn't have any objects. There was no talisman or anything like that. It's like a, a a brand new Ouija board. Yeah, it's a it's a fun it's a fun play on that that sort of ritual. Yeah, and I hope that we get a franchise. You know, this would is you rather of... see a prequel or a sequel first? I want a prequel. <laughs> you ask. Before the. <laughs> 
Well, just to it, it could be like a hundred years beforehand, just to see how the hand was created. That would be. I would be. I would be. Yeah, I really am surprised that what's it been twenty years at least? Uh, why no one's done that? Like, anyway, I tell people home where they can find you. Uh, you can find me at I need you Jesse on Twitter, Instagram. Uh, I need you Jesse, all one word. <laughs> and as always, you can find me on most social media platforms except for threads at Gray himself. That's G-R-A-E himself. And uh, new episodes of Gray Matter are now streaming. Woohoo! Should we, Ash, can we try you again? Yes. (laughs) You can find me on Twitter at Ash to Ashes. That's Ash with the X in the middle. Ashes. You can also follow Rise from the Dead podcast on Twitter and Instagram at Rise from Dead Pod. And stay tuned because it is my choice next. And y'all are in for a treat. Awesome. Uh, Devin, did you want to plug your OnlyFans thighs and toes site or no? Yes, I did raise my price to $10 a month now. Um, Just kidding. (laughs) 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 Well, that is going to do it for us. Uh, Say goodnight, folks. Night. Night. Thank you.